Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, mages, minstrels, welcome to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm back with my good buddy, Tosticus. Have I done that one before? I, I've not heard that one before. I don't think I don't think so. At least I, I, think I, I, I don't think it. so. It occurred to me and I was like, mm. <clears throat> that, that's not bad. Toasticus. I'm OK with Mosticus. that one. Makes me sound like like a Spartan. Yeah, it's very Latin. Although the Spartans yeah. were Greek, but <clears throat> eh, historical stuff. Anyway, welcome back, everybody. This is a new bestiary episode. <laughs> we're talking about the Brooksa, which you're probably familiar with if you've watched the show, if you played any of the games. Brooksa are kind of everywhere. Is there a Brooksa in Witcher 2? 1 and yeah. 3 have a Brookser. Brook, Brookser. It's in Witcher 2 as well. It's in, in Witcher... every game. Okay, yeah, every game. Yeah. I yeah. said I said Brookser. That's what Brookser. that's That's what you say if you're from Boston. Yeah, the Brookser. Um, but anyway, the Brookers are out and about again. <laughs> the Brookers are out. I don't that's not a Boston that's, accent. That's very different. Yes. <laughs> that's that's very that's southern, but it also works, I feel like. Yeah. So. Good, good enough. Anyway, welcome back everybody. Testy's dealing with a little bit of a cold, but he's going to he's going to tough through this because he's a witcher and that's what you do, right? Yeah, and it's our 50th episode. 50th Tom. episode. So, so like I can't. I can't postpone this one. I can't. I got to do this. And it kind of snuck up on us. Like I was not. I just like was looking at it. And I was like typing. I was I setting up the outline. I was like num- episode number fifty. What? How? How already? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> man. That, so, that means that means I don't remember exactly the date that we started the show. A year. Yeah, but that means we're closing in on a year. We did we miss a week or in two June last right. year around my birthday. Well, there you so, go. So, well, anyway, yeah. yeah. So here we are. So we're talking about a Brooksa episode fifty. Pretty solid topic for a fiftieth episode, and um, we've got a lot to go over. So strap yourself onto your roach and get ready for a ride. Because, you know, horse. You deliver it so awkwardly, uh-huh. but, yeah. you know, it works. It works. It, yeah. So, yeah. So, like Tom said, we're talking about Bruxa tonight. Uh, Bruxa is a very powerful type of vampire that takes on the appearance of a dark haired young woman or young human, most often female, but whose natural form is that of a large black bat with sharp fangs and claws. It is one of a few vampire species not affected by the sun, uh, with the others being Alps, Mulas, and higher vampires. Uh, they are very agile, and only silver swords are effective against them. While they have sharp claws for close-up attacks, they can also let out a piercing scream from further away that can send a grown man flying through the air. Only Quinn is able to counter it, Although the power of the cry can break through it in certain situations. So what, what exactly is the cry? The cry. So for anyone that's, you know, consumed any form of Witcher media. Um, but the best example I think is the show in this situation. Uh, season two, episode one is a Brooks. Uh, it's like, it's i mean the other example i have is like black canary from like the dc stuff it's essentially the same effect where they like scream and it's just Mm -hmm. sonic waves kind of that like blast you back yeah yeah uh banshee from the x-men maybe it's kind of similar to that that uh, i i i mean i'm not familiar as much with x-men so yeah that's it kind of makes me think of that it's like this like you know waves of sound that are also very powerful can knock things over or you know break your eardrums whatever um i find it very interesting in this first part that the natural form is the bat not the humanoid yeah because that's what they they it's all about adaptation right like they look like the bat but they have developed the ability to blend in with normal people in society to easier to more easily consume prey. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. 
because people know to have like if you're a giant bat you have to live like in the woods outside like in certain locations and people because other monsters exist they know like hey don't go into the woods at night because there's you know all kinds of monsters including brooksa and other vampires like just don't <laughs> don't if go you value it's your life good. don't go there but they aren't limited by that where they can look like a normal human and just be in a city and there's an example in this of like even more adapt adaptation on them that I'll get to later with mm -hmm. a certain example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just that as a as a human, you tend to think that the humanoid shape is the default, and the bat is is a change. So, like uh, for example, Dracula. Dracula is a person who's a vampire who can turn into a bat, right? But yeah. this is kind of flipped. It's it's the other way around. Or a bat that can turn into a human. Yeah. 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 So uh, the Brooks have a habit of singing in their native language, especially after they drink blood and their songs are described as silent, shrill and sickening. Stink thanks to these Brooks can manipulate and bend to their will any human by altering their dreams and turning them into horrible nightmares. This is like an example. I believe they didn't touch on it like too much. They definitely describe it more in like the book story of Novellan, mm -hmm. but like he talks about having like horrible nightmares um, and kind of how like Verena like keeps him like, I guess, happy at night or something to like drive away the nightmares. He's like basically formed a reliance on her. Yeah. In response, he doesn't even realize that she's the one causing the nightmares for him. <laughs> so, right. It's very manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, notable Brooks. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, they are also capable of telepathic speech. It cannot be detected magically. Uh, Oof. Oof. Yes. They're, they're, they're the scary ones. Notable Brooks are Verena, Oriana, and the Queen of the Night. Well, specifically, moving on to Witcher 1 example, uh, got the bestiary entry. Uh, it is said. That at night, Brooksa haunt attractive young men and drink their blood. These vampires move quietly in the dark to suddenly emerge near their victims. Brooksa are womanoids, and womanoids. I've never, I've never heard that word. Well, humanoid, before. but specifically female. Womanoids. Yeah, they may take the form of beautiful girls, leading some to mistake them for water nymphs. But their long fangs and unrestrained thirst for blood always betray them um I, I like here how it says they move quietly in the dark to suddenly emerge near their victims i i have a feeling that this may have been one of those lines that they pulled some of their inspiration from in the representation of the brooksa in the show because of the way she can kind of very quickly and quietly move from one place to another she does that like glitchy movement thing mm -hmm. but it's quiet but it's quick and so it, it could be the kind of thing where she's like hanging out in the corner of the room in the dark thing you look away and then the next moment she's right up next to you and you're like oh where'd you come yeah. from yeah yeah uh obviously they are of the class vampire uh they occur uh either by living close to ruins or abandoned human settlements more rarely in caves and grottos they are immune to fear and resistant to stun attempts uh, this is a gameplay susceptible thing. in the game yeah, yeah for the gameplay right susceptible to silver and vampire oil uh their tactics are that they attack by surprise try to daze their victims and drink their blood uh the lootable things are abomination lymph nasal salts and brooks of blood uh locations that they can be found are the house of the queen of the night swamp cemetery old manor catacombs Raven's Crypt, Elven Ruins. And these are specific to the game. These are in, yep, in to game location. Yeah, the Witcher 1. Right. So here's the example that I was talking about. So we have the Queen of the Night, who is a notable Bruxa. Uh, she is a higher vampire, or a Bruxa who's like very old, um, mm -hmm. who owns a brothel, the House of the Queen of the Night, in the trade quarter in Vizima, most of the women working there are like the queen of the night vampires that take blood in addition to money as payment for their sexual services. Oh, can you imagine like, well, I'm out of coin, but here have some blood. <laughs> I want oh. tap if you yeah, yeah, it's oh. fine. Yeah. Elder vampires do not need blood to sustain their life. It is more like alcohol or the drug that they enjoy the most. 
the player has the choice to kill the queen of the night or keep silent in exchange for a menage a quatre with three of her Brooks's sisters. Oh my God. Yeah. That first game, that first game was kind of extreme with some of that stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, what you need? Nah. Um, (laughs) I don't know that that's a good idea, uh, but it's Geralt. So fucks anything. Um, (laughs) she is also, uh, noted to be the ex lover of Emil Regis, Rolahek Terziev Godafroy. Because of course she is for short. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, for people who are her, who are familiar, he gets his own episode much later. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. We'll get to him. All right. So. Well, Witcher one Brooks is, um, th- there you go. Now, yep. like we were talking about earlier, uh, they appear in all three games. So we've got mm-hmm. the instance of Witcher two, right? Yeah. So, um, but just before I get there, just to note your, cause you said before, like, you know, the, the, the fact that they can look like you'd like, it's adaptation and this like she adapted and became the owner of a brothel so she doesn't even have to like hunt in the city no she just brings in her prey come to her yeah and she doesn't even need to feed she just wants to because she's so old she doesn't need it it's just like this is nice this is like my favorite wine and yeah. I get to have my favorite wine come to me. So and it, there's also a little bit of like she's kind of got like a coven's not the right word, but like her nest of well, other. Is it the right word? A coven? Well, I don't know if it'd be the right word in terms of a nest is probably. But because Bruxa different mythologies do like portray Bruxa as witches, coven might be a, a, okay. an adequate word there, too. Yeah, but it's, it's almost like it's also a cover for her and the other Bruxa that she also kind of lords over as some of the workers at the brothel and all of that. Yeah. So, uh, next. Yeah. So we have the Witcher two, um, best year in, uh, entry didn't exactly, uh, have too much information. Um, that wasn't already included in the other stuff, uh, except for talking about how some of the typical vampire stereotypes of like, garlic and sunlight aren't exactly inaccurate they're just not quite accurate sunlight doesn't kill them but they still don't like it and Mm. they prefer nighttime and garlic is annoying (laughs) yeah but it's not going to keep them away if they really want to get you yeah it's not going to keep them away or kill them uh so of course to the the game stats also of course a vampire immune to poison and bleeding uh, susceptible to silver swords, the Igni sign and knockdown uh, with their tactics. They hunt in packs and use their screeching to knock down prey uh, for loot. You have Brooks of teeth, essence of death, diamond dust and amethyst dust. So very different loot items, but again, a, a different game that's designed around different concepts of what you use the loot for and all that. But uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. how diverse this is. Yeah. Uh, locations. We have, uh, in chapter one, near the bandit hideout beneath the tree with hanging elven corpses, it only spawns at night and will have a randomized female name. It will only spawn once through once per playthrough. Oh, and that's so actually, interesting. Yeah. Well, there's actually another interesting thing here where there's the same location. There is a wraith who only that has a randomized name and only spawns once per playthrough. Uh, and it is. Uh, believe that they might be the spirits of an elven couple that are hanging from the tree in a side quest that got taken out of the production. Oh, okay. So oh, just that's a, interesting. A cool. Like, yeah. So it, it's side quest that never made it to the final game, but it was uh, a little bit of a detail that was still left. Um, in that's chapter cool. two, the available to the Roche path only mm-hmm. the little sister's quest However, while the creatures you fight are clearly Bruxa, they are tagged as wraiths and their drops are strictly wraith drops. Oh, weird. That's weird. Okay. There's a lot of weird production stuff going on in Witcher 2. And in Chapter 3, the Ireveth path only, the secrets of Loch Muin quest will take you to the Crypt of Mages dungeon where there are Bruxa. Huh. Yeah. It's been so long since I played through this game. I don't, I don't have a clear memory of either of these things, but uh, it's, I don't, I don't as much either. It's a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So it's, 
it's but it's funny to go back and like find this and see like oh look look at how weird like how many game bugs there are for this <laughs> yeah like, yeah so <clears throat> uh in this we move on to the witcher 3 uh, which is most people are probably f- more familiar with so uh the bruxa does not appear in the base game aside from having uh, a gwent card uh they so in the in the monsters deck of course um but they do appear in the blood and wine expansion uh so for the the bestiary entry if you must travel through the woods steer clear of any places where you can hear several different kinds of birds at once which is actually something that links into the actual mythology, which we will get to. Um, that sound means you're entering a Brooks's territory and can kiss your life farewell. Anonymous <laughs> piece of advice. <laughs> Fortunately for us all, Brooks are rare creatures. Most live far from population centers, for they care greatly for their own safety and make their lairs in places where they cannot be taken by surprise. Those who decide to live near men avoid crowds and emerge from the shelters only at night. When they do, one could almost mistake them for delayed travelers hurrying towards their night's lodging. Yet subtle details give them away. Their close ties to birds, their piercing voices, and the breathtaking speed of their movements. Bruxa are far swifter and stronger than men, but their greatest asset is their ability to turn invisible. That is something that has not come up yet. No. Invisibility. Yeah. That's... That uh, makes it so, that makes it just like hundred times worse. Yeah, any, yeah. Invisible monsters. All right. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Great. So, Do we have any hope now? Yeah. <laughs> so again, uh, the class of vampire uh, variations, the Bruxa of Corvo Bianco, uh, occurrence in Toussaint, of course, because it's only available for blood and wine, <coughs> and susceptibility. Moon dust, black blood, vampire oil, and irden. Uh, combat tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Ard sign is used on any Bruxa you encounter in Toussaint, it is possible she can fall over and be killed by a single stab. Nice. Similar to how harpies are defeated. Bruxa can turn invisible during the fight and perform strikes without, e- without being seen, making them, well, very dangerous very dangerous <laughs> uh the moon dust bomb is effective against bruxa although not needed due to their slight visibility when moving while cloaked so they're not completely invisible you can still kind of make out when they move they're just uh, extremely transparent yeah it yeah. is noted however that you will not be able to lock on to the bruxa mm. so for people that play with that i i I, I just never do. I just don't think about it, to be honest. Yeah, I just kind of <laughs> swing like wildly. Any game where you can lock on, I just kind of like. I, I will um, use it on and off in like a Dark Souls game. Sometimes that I find that beneficial. But yeah, I don't think I locked useful. on too much in Witcher Three. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Irden is extremely effective against Bruxa as the vampire will uncloak when in range of the sign. So Irden, you get to see him. You can ease this is a combo actually. Uh, you can easily one hit kill any Bruxa by using a combination of Eardin and Ard Sweep. Cast Eardin immediately in an open area. Basic level Eardin is, is enough. Pay attention closely to the cloaking distortion so you can clearly tell when they're about to close in on you. Once their cloak selves are within the Eardin trap, immediately cast Ard Sweep, immediately knocking them back, but making sure they're still inside the Eardin trap. The trap will slow them from getting up, giving you plenty of time to close in and one hit kill them while they're on the ground. It even works on the Brooks of Corvo Bianco, which is like a mm. unique variant. Right. Like a special even one. On Death March. Oh, wow. You can do that in, in the hardest difficulty in the game. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, so we have a, a notable uh, Brooks here as well, uh, Oriana. For people who have seen the A Night to Remember trailer, uh, you may be familiar. Uh, and of course, if you played it, you would be too. Uh, Do we want to play it for, for them? Have it have it ready. I will read this part first and then we'll play it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Oriana was a Bruxa living in Toussaint around 1275. She was a good 
and longtime friend of the higher vampire Emil Regis Rolahek Terzi of Godafroy. I love saying his <laughs> full name. name. It's great. Uh, or Regis. Um, Oriana appeared to be very wealthy and a philanthropist owning an orphanage and an estate where at the latter, she hosted lavish parties for artists, one of which Geralt and Anna Henrietta attended in disguise. She also paid a good deal of money to acquire the heart of Toussaint, an heirloom that had been passed down through Toussaint's royal family, but was lost when the last one to inherit Princess Sylvia Anna was exiled from the kingdom. Oriana was, also appeared to be acquainted with Detlef and Regis, where she stated the latter as her friend from the past. However, her generosity with owning an orphanage turned out to have more sinister motives. Like many vampires, Oriana had a craving for blood, but she preferred the blood of children and periodically fed off the children there to satisfy her craving, though she did not kill them. Which is, I guess in some ways, nice. even more horrifying. <clears throat> that's because true. Can you imagine growing up with that being your memories of childhood? I'm like wondering of like, if you could, I mean, with, with their like kind of mental abilities that like maybe they might be able to like make them seem like maybe it was just a nightmare. Cause I'm sure they're having nightmares enough already because they yeah. can inflict them at will. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. That's a bit, I mean, either way you're going to grow up pretty disturbed. Like yeah. most kids don't have those kinds of nightmares and regularly. Right. Like mm -hmm. my scary nightmare was like when I was a kid was like the Scooby-Doo villain, like beat up the entire gang. And I was like, Oh no, that's terrible. You know, like <laughs> I don't remember having genuinely scary nightmares. More mm -hmm. like things that I felt were scary as a child, you know? Yep. Yeah. All right. So, so <clears throat> time for the trailer? Time for the trailer. All right. Here's the trailer from the moment that the uh, Brookster shows up, right? The moment he start the, starts fighting. Yeah. That's that's it. That man, that's so cool. It's such that, a freaking good trailer. It was a really good trailer. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure those of you listening on the audio platform were like, that was a really cool concophony of sound effects and music. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's called A Night to Remember launch cinematic from The Witcher 3. And uh, basically the, the Brooksa bites into his neck at one point. It, it starts out invisible. They fight each other. It turns visible. He throws, he throws the moon dust bomb that like may allows him to see it right uh, right and then of course yeah we we see them fight she takes a bite out of him but he is down the black blood elixir so right. his blood is his like blood poisonous is to toxic her. Yeah. yeah yeah and then he cuts her arm off and then she goes crawling away and he hits her with the crossbow bolt uh but while she's crawling crawling away i love the um 
the arm getting cut off and then like the steam rising out from the armhole. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh man. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the song. The song's great. Yeah. Yeah. The production on this stuff is always, always really, really good. So, um, man, I, that just makes me wonder what they're going to do for the next Witcher game. Cause we know it's coming and it was like, imagine oh, like man. if that's the launch cinematic trailer, like, for that for the witcher 3 i just can't imagine what the witcher 4 is going to look like like oh yeah and it's going to be on the unreal engine 5 or whatever the next yeah, one is like so Oof. it's going to be, be so good all right well now's a good time for us to take our mid-break thank our patrons and then get on with some of the real world mythology and some of the other stuff so hang on tight we'll be right back very well let us get this over with something has infested my vineyard mm-hmm. great let me go prepare my something oil then. So here we are in the middle of the show, and we've got a big, big thank you for Lucy G, our newest patron. Thanks for signing up. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. And to all of our 17, we're up to 17, Toasty, 17 patrons. That's awesome. Thank you so much, including our higher vampires, which may or may not be Brooksa. I don't know if they're just old Brooksa or... Cla- like the class of higher vampire uh ben of tamaria uh cody and carly s and jared m thank you so much for helping to support the show we really appreciate it uh maybe we could hit 20 it'd be really cool if you guys are interested in helping to support the show if you sign up get us to a nice nice round number that would be awesome uh you get ad free episodes you get t-shirts which go out regularly and uh you get our thanks we would really appreciate it so patreon.com slash witcher lorecast if you're interested in checking all that stuff out and uh we don't have any new reviews this week but if you'd like us to read out a review on a future episode just go to apple podcasts whether you listen there or not you can leave a rating and review which is very helpful to us because some platforms you can't leave ratings for um so you could do that there and that would be amazing would read it out plus you can leave a rating on spotify as well which would be very very helpful but uh man 50 episodes toasty here's to another 50 and thank you for your support everybody all right let's get on we're almost at 250 on spotify we're 246 Ooh, yeah we that would have been the hair dyeing number that would have been the hair dyeing number but yeah the the patreon got there first so yeah thank you to everybody we really do appreciate the support we can't do this without you guys we could put out the best show we could possibly put out but if it wasn't for support from you guys we wouldn't be able to keep it going or keep it growing so genuinely you are like half the equation for making a podcast work so we really appreciate it all right let's move on with the rest of the show you smell of death and destiny heroics and heartbreak it's onion right yeah so i know there's a topic you wanted to cover before we get to the real world mythology mm-hmm so for some of the uh the, the either the show fans or people that are uh that started their witcher journey with the books maybe um there is the the story uh which we see in season two episode one of varina and novellan and uh obviously if you want a more detailed look uh at this of course go either watch season two episode one or uh i can't i don't know the name of it off the top of my head but the uh, I believe it's in the the second book, uh, the Time of Contempt, where you can read about uh, for the the story of Novellan, uh, and go read that because it's also really good. Um, yeah. but essentially, the idea is that Novellan uh, was this cursed man. Uh, he did horrible, horrible things uh, to a, a priestess in her temple. Uh, he was cursed for it, turned into a monster. Essentially, the story of Beauty and the Beast, kind of where he's like this horrid beast and like he has to fall in love in order to break the curse somehow. Uh, and he gen- he generally pawns off his money to try and get girls, like people, their fathers to leave girls there. Um, goes through it for a long time. Uh, and then Geralt shows up uh, because there's been some murders nearby. He's looking into it. He finds out it's not him. They have a talk. 
and he talks about Novella talks about this girl that he's with right now who Geralt had seen earlier and mistook her for a Rasulka because they look similar in appearance if they're like, especially if they're far away because he saw her from really far away. Um, but as Geralt's leaving, he realizes that, uh, uh, that Roach has been spooked the whole time. And he assumed Roach was spooked of the big, scary monster dude. But when he got that guy, when Novellan got close to Roach, there was no reaction. Like it was fine. The horse liked him. So he realized that like, Oh, okay. What is this? She can't be a Rasulka because that, that would also not freak her out. Oh crap. I need to go back. Finds out she's a Brooksa. He actually lists so many different types of vampires Mm -hmm. before he gets there. And by the time he gets there, it's an Oh shit moment where he's just like, Oh, Oh, he's God. like, oh no! It's he one of these sort out, right? So, uh, big fight happens. Novellan helps to kill her um, by by like impaling her. Geralt chops her head off, and then he his curse is removed. Um, but yeah, it's it's you get a more like of a closer look uh, with with the the Witcher show. We're kind of seeing like. Like we said before, the weird, creepy movements, mm-hmm. and then of course, mm-hmm. like the, the, the fight scene where they're doing. She's like flying over him, and he's like reacting while she tries to maneuver around him and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So, which is actually funny because in the show, he's doing far better in the fight than he did in the book. Mm-hmm. He gets, he's like getting his ass handed to him in the book, yeah. but in the show, he's like, I got this does weird sword things where he cuts <laughs> under him to cut her or whatever. Right. Yeah. He, he leans over the sword coming out from behind him when she didn't expect her to, you know, be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, she is. I would say she's probably the most prominent Brooks that we get to see because they don't show a whole lot of monsters in the books, contrary to like what you might think but she's definitely a big prominent one that we get an actual like fight scene with, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. I feel like you get more monsters in the, uh, like the short story books. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, and that's part of why they're so fun is that each one is kind of its own little monster tale. Yeah. So uh, that that's it for the, the Witcher Brooks. Uh, we're going to move on to the real world, real world mythology, mm-hmm. um, which uh to be fair any uh, while i was like doing the research on this there was like every time i like saw this like it would talk about how the witcher brought the brooksa to life um so i guess it wasn't a very like popularly used like oh it's like a very mythology like, yeah, like fairly so. unknown phrase yeah and yeah. and for this one we're moving to western europe instead of eastern europe which is different yeah, it's wow. yeah, it's a bit different. So the Bruxa is the Portuguese name for a type of vampire found in Iberian or Spanish Portuguese folklore. I think it's what the Iberian Peninsula, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that little the little nub that you know Spain and Portugal are on. Mm-hmm. The little the little you know nub at the end of Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in Spanish, it is referred to as the Bruja. According to legends, the Bruxa were once humans that through the power of witchcraft transformed themselves into the undead. Once undead, the Brooks have developed a craving for blood. Their typical victims are infants, young animals and unwary travelers. Yummy. Though the name of the Brooks translates to English as witch, they are considered to be a kind of vampire while the term fetusiria is instead used to denote what an English speaker would consider to be a witch. The Brooks's true form is that of a tall, slender woman of fair proportions wearing scanty white garments. As unholy creatures, they're considered to be sexual partners of the devil himself. This is another one. That's one of those things that pops up in a lot of old mythology. Is this like Mm -hmm. women who decided to have sex with the devil? And that I mean, because that was the whole ideology of like witches right during like the sale of witch trials is that they they were the brides of the devil and that's why they deserve to die like they were 
this whole like <laughs> this whole like men being uncomfortable with women's sexuality thing totally leaked into their perception of all of this stuff which led to a lot of people dying which is why it's you know it's a good thing we have science now let's yeah. let's let's make sure science sticks around yeah because i mean <laughs> as we will point out again this is what i don't know the fourth or fifth example of a uh monster that is typically considered to be a woman mm -hmm. uh which you know yep yeah w women get villainized a lot in uh religious and mythological works because mm -hmm. because men were afraid of things they didn't understand and they didn't want to lose power and there's there's a lot of psychology underneath all of that so yeah. yeah. Uh, according to Northern Portuguese folklore, bruxas are thought to be extremely common and appear at night. They typically stay just outside of view with their laughing and clapping, indicating their presence. When seen, they will quickly take the form of waterfowl and the sound of flapping waterfowl wings at night is another sign of their presence. So this what? is kind of a connection to the whole the different types of birds thing. Yes. So, so this is kind of, yeah, this is the point is that they have like this close relationship with birds rather than like Bats. the the yeah so the i think that's a combination of just generally the typical vampire like folklore of being akin to bats i mean with dracula who mm. could like turn into a bat in most of his incarnations and stuff like that like right they just they kind of blended them here which we know that they do that sometimes as far as some of the monsters <clears throat> yeah uh like a waterfowl, the brooks can be found flying through the air and are fond of swimming in rivers and streams. There are also many tales of fishermen claiming to have seen glimpses of brooks at night, singing on the white crests of waves in a manner similar to sirens. Though encountering brooks at sea is considered to be somewhat less dangerous than encountering sirens. <laughs> I can imagine neither of them is good. But yeah, probably sure. not. But All right. you know, brooks is slightly better. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The Brooks's favorite victims by far are newborn babies. They are thought to be able to sneak into households, though, even through even the smallest cracks using their shape shifting abilities and are thought to have the power to inflict drowsiness on those inside. Once they've entered, once they reach an unattended newborn, they'll use their body weight to smother the baby to death and then feed by sucking their blood so Rough stuff yeah so um, so this probably has a lot to do with two things one things like sids like unexplained deaths of infants which still happen because sometimes you know babies just stop breathing and to say like oh some monster snuck in here and smothered it might be a way to explain that right because they didn't understand yeah. what was happening we still don't really fully understand why how that why that happens um and two a lot I mean, in in historical times, in ancient times and medieval times, there were a lot of children that were just gotten rid of, like killing your your kids because you didn't want them was way more common than anybody thinks about now in, in the modern world. It was actually very, very common. And to be able to say like, oh, we didn't kill the baby. It was a it was a Brooksa. It was a monster. We're terrified is an easy way to deal with that socially. But it like there was a lot of child mortality just by parents who just didn't want their kids or would give them away or would leave them outside and say, you can't come back in, go mm -hmm. away. You know, like there's a lot of terrible things that people did in the past. And, and we don't talk about it because it doesn't come up, but it's a lot more than you think than you would expect. Other times they are said to pinch, bite, scratch, or strike the infant, leaving visible marks on the dead child's body. So, yeah. Just wait. So, so a multitude of ways that they seem to die, which really fits into your, yeah, your, right. your thing, there, whatever, like, whatever explanation you want, you can use it. It'll work. Just say the Brooks did it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the Brooks will attack adults at night, causing them to feel a great suffocating weight on top of them. During the trial of Susanna Dal Dalmal in 1951, Pedro 1591. Gil sorry. 1591. It has a very bad. big difference. Yes. It is a very big difference. <laughs> Pedro Gill gave this account of a Brooks attack. One night while this depositor was in bed sleeping, he felt a lump like a person on top of him and wanting to get up, he forced himself and could not. And then he got up and felt the weight on his legs and this depositor threw a punch and hit himself 
in the lick. So well, let's pause here. This is very similar to like night terrors, which we have a better understanding now with science. Like when you're in that mode of half asleep while you're just waking up or just falling asleep, sometimes the aware part of your brain wakes up, but you physically cannot move yet because that part mm-hmm. of your brain is still in sleep mode. So sleep paralysis. And there are a lot of, and you were about to talk about succubus too, but th- there are a lot of justifications historically, again, in mythology and religion for why this happens. And yeah, it's, it's scary. I mean, I, m- I remember this happened to me a lot growing up, but I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't ever feel like there was a demon in the room or something, but it definitely didn't feel good because I was doing everything I could to move and I couldn't. And I was still aware of like people talking around me and things like that. Like if I was fell asleep on the couch or something as a kid, like that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. very real <clears throat> thing that can happen. Yeah. Other times these nocturnal attacks on adults were sexual in nature, making the Brooks as similar to a succubus, which mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> talk about the, the queen of the night in the Witcher one who was yeah. like it traded blood for sexual favors like running a brothel like the whole sexual nature of that yeah yeah uh protection from brooks's according to portuguese folk belief it is thought to be impossible to actually kill a brooksa but there are many ways to protect oneself from one like conventional vampires brooksa are repulsed by both the signs of the cross and by garlic Besides the cross, the seal of Solomon is another common protective symbol that can be found on buildings, carts, boats, and ox yolks. Like in many other parts of Europe, the Portuguese believe that the Bruxa and other sorts of malevolent supernatural creatures are repulsed by metal, particularly iron. Because of this, it is not uncommon for metal scissors configured into the shape of the cross to be used as protective talismans against Bruxas. <clears throat> Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's interesting here because that's different than silver in the Witcher. It's always the silver that's good against monsters. But in a lot of historical sources like this, it's actually iron. Mm. So Mm. there's changed, I guess. People that came up with this, they were they valued their silver. They wanted to keep it in their pockets, maybe. (laughs) Right. right. Well, it makes I mean, uh, iron was something you used to make swords and tools mm-hmm. and those kinds of things so it, it would make sense like if you were defending yourself against some sort of scary thing you're going to grab your pitchfork i mean if you don't have if you're just a common person who doesn't have a sword you're going to grab like your fire poker or your pitchfork or something made out of iron so to give you hope of like oh we'll you use something iron to fight the monster because nobody has a silver sword sitting around like that yeah. historically wasn't a thing yeah which i mean that also fits and ties into like other types of like uh supernatural creatures with, like commonly like representations of like spirits and stuff yeah, are ghosts. repelled by iron or right. can't cross like iron thresholds or something like that yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, poor toasty with his, his sore throat oh yeah sorry but it, it's all right i do it much better than i thought it was going to be um also common to many other parts of europe bread is believed to have protective qualities the mere hmm. act of touching a piece of bread can provide protection against evil figures such as the bruxa so that's eat your bread you've got some bread in your house good you're <laughs> good 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 uh another protective charm against the brooks is a small bag worn as a type of necklace containing a chip of stone from a christian altar and four leaves a leaf from a rue an olive leaf or a bay leaf and a periwinkle leaf this led to the chipping of altars all across the iberian peninsula yeah <laughs> why is yeah, the altar the- ch- chipped uh priest <laughs> father the church needed money so we decided to sell for we selling ambulance. yeah bits to the commoners <laughs> so it's also kind of like a lucky four-leaf clover thing which is cool mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. may day the bruxa is considered to be particularly active on that day in northern portugal metal horseshoes or mule shoes with an uneven number of shoe shoe holes messing up my outline <laughs> sorry sorry you threw me off it moved sorry i didn't uh, mean to with an uneven number of shoe holes are found nailed to front doors in order to protect households every cart plow ox yoke and stable is protected by adorning them with springs from the common broom plant sprigs from the common broom plant <laughs> and every person and farm animal is protected by a red wool thread placed around the neck weird <clears throat> Weird. Mayday, weird. I believe, is Beltane, right? Is that or is that? Uh, so that's different? the thing I was cur- curious about. Mayday is May first. 
uh, halfway between the spring is, equinox and summer solstice. I think that is. I think that matches up with Beltane, as far as I know, too. Okay. Yeah. I was, that's the, that's the thing I copied, but for some reason it deleted it when I copied Monday, it. That's May what moves Beltane. That's yeah. what moves the so, show notes around. Yeah. But basically, big party like celebration. Um, there's other like significance with it that I should remember but i can't remember right now because i'm playing a changeling game and ben beltane is a significant holiday for changelings <clears throat> but mm-hmm. but also like pay which that kind of makes sense like the idea of like the uh because obviously a lot of the preconceived notions about brooks uh, fit into the idea of like witches or just like it, women that aren't obedience which generally was kind of the idea of that yeah or you know and of course on like the one of the prominent pagan holidays of course the bruxa are more prevalent because you know the pagans are celebrating and they aren't they aren't worshiping god and that brings about the devil more kind of thing right of course of course so yeah man Cool stuff as usual. This has been a lot of fun going over the details here. Um, any um, other thoughts on on Bruxa? I mean, they they show up pretty regularly as we as we noted in the games. Um, We've been iterations in all the games. Yeah. I mean, it's in the as far as the books go, we're only given a handful of monster fights. I mean, we got the Striga, we got the Bruxa. Uh, Kikimura dragon doesn't really count as one dragon doesn't yeah he doesn't really fight fun. the kikimura he just has a kikimura corpse that's <clears> true comes out yeah. of town like that's right. the show added a bit of, like the fight to make it right. a bit more exciting right. as yeah, a cool yeah. intro so and then like trying I'm, think. Just, I'm trying to think of uh, other examples of, but i mean there's other is, other times he talks like he talks to trolls he talks to uh <clears throat> he talks about all these things but he doesn't like fight them very often right or, or he talks to them very often yeah. like they end up being so. um you know like the skin changer uh whatever it's called um shapeshifters shapeshifters you do do yeah like do yeah. a character right and he, and he yeah. technically is a monster um so but like it's like yeah. the, and it's all pretty much short stories like once you start like the actual like story of like siri and you know like you don't get as much of that yeah so it's yeah. obviously one of the most well-known so yeah i hope we get more monster fights i i know in the show the show is getting more and more into like the you know the full-length novels and where all that stuff's going which isn't going to be these monster stories it's going to be politics and you know mages and elves i mean it's it's already had more monster fights compared like compared to like the books i mean we got to see the kikimura which but it we would be knew that he fought, but we didn't get to like they didn't describe it in the book. Right. The Striga, which was included, the Bruxa, which was included, but then we got the Leshen. Right. Uh, we got the weird Skullopendromorph thing. Yeah, we got some um, of the other weird monsters that came up. Yeah. Um, and then the big so, finale for season two. Yeah, of course, like with with uh the Deathless Mother. So yeah. Um but uh to my point, it would be really cool if either in one of the other Witcher series or in some of the like cartoon stuff that they're putting out that we didn't get more just Witcher tales mm-hmm. like because that's part of what I really love about the Witcher stuff. And I think that's how a lot of people if you enter through the games or the short stories, that's a lot of what you're getting are these little side quest kinds of, of things where. Geralt has to go fight some monster or so, you know, something's weird's going on in this town. He's got to figure it out. Like that's I that like it's, it's the part of the Witcher series that feels sort of like being a Jedi in a, in a medieval monster filled world. Right. Where like the Jedi were, would show up in a place and they'd be like, Oh, somebody's ruining the peace. Okay. We've got to deal with it. And then they'd move on to somewhere else and they have special powers and they can, they can do things nobody else can do. Everybody recognizes when they show up. Not everybody likes them when they show up. Like I've always seen the witchers as kind of this like darker version of these like nomadic, like fantasy Jedi kind of characters. And I think it would be really cool to get a little bit more of that, you know, written out. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, yeah because even like in a sense of like how they were made like with yeah. the reference i made 
way back when of like they were trying to make paladins and they accidentally made rangers instead and it's <laughs> right, like right. so it's like nobody and, and like with how they're treated yeah so you get like a very dark aspect of like well they're doing good for humanity but yet humanity doesn't like them regardless right. so like just like a jedi on like a dangerous planet or what they yeah. have you know like, yeah <clears throat> they're so. very <laughs> no, I'm not going to make a comparison. The Ben's probably going to yell at me. I was thinking of like any, like a best maybe example is like Mace Windu. Cause he's not like, he's like, I believe his like lore is that he like manifests kind of the, his anger into like a force for the light kind of thing. Mm. That's why his like, he, he uses like a Sith fighting style that he's repurposed for the Jedi. Like, kind of thing gotcha, so gotcha yeah i'm sure ben could ben you should do an episode on that <clears throat> with holocron histories but um yeah well we could always go on about this stuff forever and i'm sure we will on a future episode but we gotta wrap this one up toasty i know i know you got some other stuff cooking do you know when your uh season two of cyberpunk is coming out yet uh so uh i believe i believe that the 12th is what i've said before that seems to be so just like a week we we're going less than yeah, a week from us recording this week. which is even less than than a week from when this, this comes out for most of our listeners yeah um, i know wow. I, it was unfortunate because we had recording on saturday but i just couldn't like bring up the energy slash didn't think that it would work very well for me to record with him because of me being sick so because yeah. i was coughing a lot more and like even like <laughs> your character i was gonna sick. try and well, i was gonna try and like you know deal with it and then i just started having like a horrible coughing fit right before yeah and oh. it was just like i was like yeah dude just like like have me go off and do something for this episode because i just cannot do anything right now it's yeah. really bad that's a bummer that's a bummer yeah so. stuff's going around and i hope you feel better anything else you want to share uh follow us on twitter at the witcher Lorecast. um i can't i don't really have anything too crazy okay otherwise all right um i've got all my shows you know what's going on with me probably if you've listened to this for 50 episodes i've got all my different lore casts i'm coming up close to the 200th episode of the fallout Lorecast, and almost and a little bit further away but still close with the elder scrolls Lorecast. and then um the lord of the lord of the rings Lorecast is like 15 episodes now it's all that stuff's going great if you guys are looking for more podcasts you can check out my other shows or any of the other shows on the network we've got lots of shows that cover all sorts of stuff robotsradio.net or join us on the discord and take a look at on there there's a whole list of all the different shows and all the hosts hang out and you can say hi to all of us and, and chat about stuff we'd love for you guys to be involved and thanks again for listening and until next time stay safe on the path see you later everybody thanks for tuning into the witcher Lorecast. we'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the tv series and all your thoughts on everything Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. <laughs>